Well, I want to start the new year off right. Um, typically, every new year, I, I try to get a message from God just, just to kind of, God, what do you want to say to us this new year? And so the first message of each year is usually a special one. Um, it's a chance to start new and fresh. I know sometimes you can get into a depressive kind of state and think, well, it's just a date on the calendar. <laughs> Suck it up. It's a new year. Celebrate it. Maybe that'll change how it's going to go because here's the truth. How you start something or how you go into something a lot of times determines how that something's going to go. A good coach really knows how to build his team up before, during, and after the game. A good business owner knows how to meet with his team before the week starts or the day starts to bring some encouragement and some challenge. And that's what I hope to do today. My word for the year, I saw some of you posted your word for the year from the Lord, and my word for the year this year is refreshment. It doesn't mean I get to eat a lot of refreshments. <laughs> I was like, you sure? <laughs> it's refreshment. Psalms 118 verse 24 is a verse that I think we need to anchor ourselves into this year. Because you can have a prophetic word that you're going into a season of joy and you can, you can be praying for this season to happen and you can be fasting for this season to happen and you can go into the season and end up in a train wreck if you're not careful, right? Just because you're going to have a season of joy doesn't mean that everything's going to go perfect. Because joy's not found in perfection, joy's found in Jesus. Watch Psalms 118, verse 24. It says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. He wrote that before his day started. What if we got up every morning, but before we put our feet on the ground, we would just whisper to heaven, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in this day, no matter what happens today. What if I position my attitude, my spirit, my, my mental capacity, what if I position myself to make the day have to deal with me instead of me having to deal with the day? Am I in the right church? What if I just changed my attitude by my declaration that I make first thing in the morning and instead of going, oh, oh. Some of you are like that in the mornings. Come on, Anybody? You hate the alarm clock. Some of you hate your eternal, your internal alarm clock. So 2022 can be the best year yet. I don't like to say the best year ever because I'm not done yet. I want it to be the best year so far. Yet. Because there's another year coming after this one. Unless Jesus comes back, then that's the best there is. So the first thing we need to do is we need to start the year off right. So how many of you today would, would be honest with yourself? I, I was able to kind of talk about this in, in communion about examining yourself. How many of you would be really honest today and say that I picked up some baggage in 2021? How many of you would be honest and, and look inside yourself and say, I picked up an attitude it's not honoring to God. I picked up a, 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 maybe a lie that's, that's starting to decay my life. I picked up a, a, a habit or I picked up a fear or an impatience. Maybe I picked up some foul language, a lust, anger. Maybe you wrote someone off this past year. And just because you wrote them off, let me just give you a little secret. God didn't write them off. 
The best way to have the best year is to start it right. So I think the first thing we need to do this year is we need to unload this baggage and refuse to carry it with us in, any longer. Amen? So I want to use David this morning. I feel like God gave me this message from David. Um, <clears throat> Acts chapter 13, verse 22. Watch David's example. This is New Testament. David was long gone by then. And it says this, God said, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, period. He will do everything I want him to do, period. God said, so you have to establish first who said it. Who's talking? God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. In other words, David is after my own heart. He's a man that has a heart like mine. He's, he's a man that's allowed me to adjust and tweak and, 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 and manipulate his heart in such a way that it's become like mine. I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. If you remember the moment he anointed David, he, David was the last one to come up. He, in fact, he was still out in the field. His daddy wouldn't even bring him to the ceremony when, when Samuel was there to anoint the next king. His daddy didn't even invite him. But God said, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. That's a big sentence. He will do everything I want him to do. God's definition of a man who is after his own heart is a man that will do everything God wants him to do. That's his definition of a man after his own heart. He's a man that will do everything God wants him to do. Wow. If this is what God says about David, then it must be true, right? Last time I checked, God cannot lie. Because if he lies once, everything's demolished. So, so, so it's true that David is a man after God's own heart, and he's a man that will do everything God wants him to do. Now hang on to that for a minute, because we're going to get a little greasy in a second. Because David's life wasn't all that in a bag of chips. David had some failures. In fact, if you really knew David's story, you would probably think that when this was said in the book of Acts chapter 13, that maybe God was talking about a different David. Like there's no way that this could be the same David that God said he's a man after my own heart, he will do everything I want him to do. When you get to know, when some people get to know your story, they go, there's no way God can be in their life. David was a great man, but he has failures like all of us do. Hi, my name is Jamie. I have failure in my life. I felt better after I said that. I just felt like 10 pounds lighter. I might say it again, just drop another 10. I got to weigh in soon. And the holidays have been brutal. <laughs> Let me stop. So David was a great man, but he had some failures. But I want you to notice something. David, God didn't say that David was a man after his own heart because he was perfect. 
You know, when you read your Bible, sometimes you need to read what's not there. When you read what God says, sometimes you need to think about what he didn't say. What he didn't say was that David was a man after my own heart because he was perfect in all of his ways. No, he said, he's a man after my own heart. He will do everything that I want him to do. It seems to me that God seems to be more concerned about my obedience than my perfection. Now, I know that I can get a little shady sometimes, doctrinally speaking. But I've come to learn that God focuses on my obedience more than he focuses on my disappointments, on my sin. This is why. Because he knows if I'm obeying him, I'm walking with him. Right? And how do I know that? Because when I sit with him and we talk together, he talks more about my obedience than he does about my sin. Not to say that he doesn't talk about my sin. <laughs> this ain't one of them churches. I ain't one of them pastors. You got to remember that God's been dealing with man for thousands of years. Dear goodness, if anybody knows our sin, God does. If anybody knows you from the inside, I mean, he's got your serial number <laughs> in memory. And he knows we will sin. That's why he gave us a way out. He knows we'll sin even though the power of sin has been broken over us. He knows we'll sin because we choose to, not because we have to. You see, now that I'm a born-again believer and the power of sin has been broken off of me, when I sin, it's because I choose to, not because I have to. Come on. I choose to. That's a whole different ballgame than if I have to, like I don't know any better, and I just, I got these urges that I just got to, oh, I can't help myself. No, I'm born again filled with this spirit. That power that made me do those things before I knew Jesus is broken. It doesn't control me anymore. Now when I sin, it's a choice. Oh, it changes the game up now. Because I don't have to. <laughs> Y'all seeing what I'm saying? And God knows that. And he's looking for men and women who will do everything he wants them to do. So let's look at David's sin for a minute. And then we'll tackle the book, the, the book of Psalms, chapter 51. Just the chapter, not the whole book. I'm not going that long. <laughs> David's sin, let's just point out some of it. This is the story of him and Bathsheba. Which, by the way, I think her name is hilarious. He sees her in the bath, and her name's Bathsheba. You ever thought about that? I mean, when you read your Bible because you want to, you notice things that you've never seen before. Cool. Did that, did that land smooth or no? Was it pretty? It, it was, gee, it was okay? All right, wasn't too rough. <laughs> he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. He should have been at war, but he wasn't at war. Instead, he was at home, laid up on the sofa, scrolling social media. Come on, somebody. He notices a woman, the Bible says, of unusual beauty. Now, there's nothing wrong with noticing a beautiful woman. 
The issue becomes sin when you keep noticing the beautiful woman. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Like, oh, that's, she, we, we used to say this when I was a young Christian. That's a beautiful creation of God. Yeah, okay, quit looking at it. Okay. <laughs> he got me on my, passed me on by. Yeah, she's beautiful. She's cute. He's handsome. I'll, I'll t- I don't say that personally, but I'm not one of those pastors either. <laughs> he notices a woman of unusual beauty and he lets his eyes stay there too long. Then he sends messengers to Bathsheba twice. I don't know if you caught that, but two times he sends messengers to Bathsheba. The first time to find out who she is. The second time to bring her to himself. The way the Bible uses the language to describe the story of David and Bathsheba, Bathsheba did not want David. David wanted Bathsheba. She wasn't looking for another man. She had a man. Come on, she was just taking a bath. Wasn't looking for no attention. By the way, she wasn't fully unclothed and in a tub. She was actually clothed and, and in a, at a basin, they said, and, and it's just bathing that way. But twice David goes and sends messengers to Bathsheba, and then the second time he brings her to his palace. He's already in trouble. He was in trouble when he didn't go to war. God's looking for men who will do what he wants them to do. David should have been at war. So she comes because he's the king. And the Bible uses this language that David laid with her. Now, just a little inside scoop. Uh, That means they were intimate. Like they didn't lay on the ground and look at the stars. It says that he lays with her, and the language suggests that it wasn't consensual. Some theologians believe that David raped her. Now, this changes the ballgame, doesn't it? But don't forget the verse. You should be getting a little twisted up right now. Like, he's a man after God's own heart. He will do everything that God wants him to do. How's that? How's that? And he doesn't stop there. He tries to cover it up. He calls her husband to come in from war, tries to get him to sleep with her because he found out she was pregnant. And that doesn't work. And then this is sick. This is really sick. David writes a death letter for Uriah and then makes Uriah deliver his own death sentence to Joab. Like he scribbles, put Joab in the front of the lines. He got to go. Signed David. Folds it up. Here, Uriah. Bring this to Joab. He's a man after God's own heart. How can you be a man after God's own heart and rape somebody and kill their husband? How can you do that? 
And some of you have wondered that this year. How can I be a servant of God and this thing still happen to me? How can I be a servant of God and I'm still struggling with this sin? How can the two things exist at one time? How can I hear God in one moment and be intimate with him, but then have this crazy desire to be intimate with somebody other than my spouse? How can they coexist? <laughs> you ever wonder that? So many theologians believe that David raped Bathsheba. And we all know that David, David had Uriah murdered. So David, a rapist slash adulterer and a murderer. Does this not like boggle your mind right now? I pray to God it's throwing you, your gears in your head in all kinds of directions right now. Because for some of you, you need to get thrown off in your thinking for a second. And you need to get your mind out of this religious system that we've, been grown, that we've grown up in. And you need to get your, your, your mind in a clear spot where you can start to understand that, that I can be as ruthless as a viper, yet saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. How can that happen? Because if you get religious, you start to believe, well, I'm saved now, so I'll never be like that. But you are like that at times. And we can look at David's sin and say, well, that was rape and that was murder. I don't rape and I don't murder. I can bring you to some scriptures and argue with you. Because some of you have murdered people in your mind. <laughs> some of you have murdered them with your words. So David's in a pickle, wouldn't you say? Can he come out of that? How do you get out of that? How do you turn that around? Even further, David was in denial. David was pretending he had no sin. You know, there's a big difference between confessed sin and exposed sin. Side note, free tip. It's always better to confess your sin than to be exposed of your sin. And boy, let me tell you something. God's a gracious God. He'll whisper and he'll whisper and he'll whisper and he'll whisper in your ear. But I'm telling you, one day he's going to stop whispering and he's going to start talking a little louder. And other people in your room of life are going to start to hear about your sin. David was in denial. <laughs> Just going on about his business, acting like it never happened. You see, here's the problem with sin. The sin needs to be dealt with. The power of it was broken off of, of, of us by Christ. But when we sin again, there is a process that needs to happen. And we need to deal with our sin, which means you need to open your mind and understand that I will sin often. I need to learn how to deal with my sin. I don't need to learn how to live in denial of my sin. Because that creates in us a spiritual pride and a religiosity that I'm pretending I got it all good, but deep down in my heart, there's a cancer brewing inside of me. So watch this. I'm going to see if I can put this together. God said, I found a man who will do anything that I want him to do. 
right? That was his definition of a man after his own heart. Watch this. God didn't say, I found a man who will never sin. The reason your sin needs to be dealt with is so that you can keep doing everything that God wants you to do. Because when you don't deal with your sin, you quit doing what God wants you to do. It creeps up on you. It's like a condemnation. It's like a chain that slowly gets wrapped around your leg. And, and before you know it, you can't move like you used to. And God tells you, I want you to go over here and do this. And you, you're like, I can't, though, because I'm not worthy. And I'm a piece of dirt. And, and you start confessing what the enemy's been telling you. And now you can't do what he wants you to do. Only because you didn't deal with your sin. So stop pretending like you don't have sin. I have sin in my life that has to be dealt with on a regular basis. And the minute I don't think I have sin, I've got an enormous amount of sin called pride. But praise God, he gives me a way out. I don't have to live under it. I don't have to stay there a minute longer than I need to. So David doesn't confess his sin. He gets exposed. God sends a prophet. That's why people be scared of prophets. <laughs> hey, man, a prophet's coming to town. I'm busy that week. <laughs> oh, yeah, why are you busy? <laughs> Got a couple of things I don't need nobody to know about. <laughs> or if you do go, you get your heart right before you get there. <laughs> Lord, I pray you get amnesia and you don't remember me. Nathan comes and exposes his sin. And then David does something that we have to get today. And this is so good. By the way, the title of my message is Fresh Start. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little late. Oh, I'm just starting my message. No, I'm <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, that's it. We're going back to two services. We'll do three if you get shorter. <laughs> right, Doug? I digress. <laughs> so David does something that we have to get today. It's in the Bible for a reason. If it's in the Bible, it's for you. You heard that? If it's in the Bible, it's for you. So you don't have to wonder if it's for me. <laughs> that was simple. Psalms chapter 51. I want you to hear and see David's action after his sin has been exposed. You see, David picked up some baggage that year. Probably the baggage of lust. And undealt with, with no self-examination, you end up where he ends up. Psalms 51, the whole chapter. I wish I could, I could read it like I bet David wrote it with the emotion behind it, but I, 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 I can't. I don't, I don't know what that was like. I have an idea, but I don't think it will even come close. David says in verse 1, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Watch this. Blot out the stain of my sins. Just verse 1 alone gives us something. It gives us an example. It gives us a, a protocol. It gives us a, like a guideline on how do, we, how do we come to Jesus with our sin? Like how do, we, how do we approach Jesus at the throne with my dirty sin? How do I go to Jesus with this grime in my life? 
David shows you. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Why did he say because of your unfailing love? Because he was leaning on God's unfailing love. He believed that God had unfailing love and he was leaning into that. God, have mercy on me because of your unfailing love. My God, let me tell you something. I've leaned on the unfailing love of God more than I want to admit. I, there's been times I'm just like, God, I know, I know you could take me out right now, but I'm leaning on your unfailing love for me. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sin. Verse two, he says, wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Which means this, that when I bring my stuff to Jesus, he wipes it out. I don't have to carry it no more. Oh my God, you're not nearly as excited as you should be about that. And when I bring my stuff to Jesus, he wants me to bring my stuff to him because when I bring my stuff to him, he washes it away. I'm not stained anymore. The people in your life will hold it against you, but Jesus won't. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. I've seen things in my younger years and in my older years that there's times those memories pop back up and I take, I take authority over those memories. And this is what I use. I use this word right here. Purify my mind, Lord. I'll go to bed at night thinking about some crazy junk. You don't even want to know. And I'm just like, Lord, I purify my mind. I take every thought captive right now. I bring it to your obedience, God. I don't want to think these things. I'm not going to bed with those thoughts. Because I don't have to live with that anymore. I got a way to get out of that. Verse three, for I recognize my rebellion, it haunts me day and night. Listen to what he's saying. I reckon, you know what he's doing? He's owning his actions. He's owning his sin. He's not excusing his sin. He's owning his sin. And true deliverance comes when you truly own your sin. Yeah. Not when you justify it. Not when you excuse it, but when you truly own it. Lord, I messed up. I failed. I've dishonored you and I'm sorry. There's no reason. I just messed up. I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. There's no doubt in my mind God could take me out in a minute if he wanted me to. If he wanted to. I live with that little bit of fear inside of me. Now I'm leaning on his unfailing love. Don't get me wrong. I'm like, I'm, I'm white knuckling that thing, man. I'm like, I'm hanging on to unfailing love, but I know. How do I know? Because he's God and I'm not. Verse five, I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the wound, teaching me wisdom even there. Here he goes again. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. That almost sounds like he's declaring that to himself in his, in his conversation with God. Like, purify me of my sin and I will be clean. You know, sometimes you don't need to convince God that you're clean. You need to convince yourself that you're clean. Sometimes you need to convince yourself that you're born again and filled with his spirit and, and you're an overcomer. 
I will be whiter than snow. (laughs) Oh, give me back the joy again. Boy, that's so good. Must have lost it, huh? If God's got to give it back to you, you must have lost it. Give me back the joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Wow, joy and rejoicing come after brokenness. Oh, do you see the pattern? That joy and rejoicing, it comes after brokenness. There's nothing wrong with being broken. I'm going to tell this side. Maybe they'll believe me. There's nothing wrong with being broken. Broken for the Lord or broken because of the Lord. Verse 9, don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Here's verse 10. I love this verse. I pray this verse often. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Remove a loyal, I mean, renew a loyal spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart. You can pray that. You can ask that. In fact, you should be asking God to create in you a clean heart. Renew a loyal spirit within me. You know what he's asking God to do? Cleanse my heart and renew this loyalty inside of me. In other words, position me, manipulate me, do whatever you need to do inside of me to bring me back to you. What was David's goal in this repentance prayer? What was his goal? To be back with Jesus, to be back in the presence of Jesus. It wasn't his sin that ran Jesus away from him. It was his sin that caused him to back away from Jesus. And now he's saying, Lord, here's my sin. It's getting in the way. Would you remove it? Would you create in me a clean heart so that we can be in in relationship again? All right. Verse 11, do not banish me from your presence. I want to get so used to being in God's presence that I can't stand to be away from it. I'm serious. I want to be, I want to be addicted to God's presence. I want to be so much in his presence that this world just kind of fades away. That even my sin begins to fade away and my lust and the desires that lie within my heart in those dark corners, that all that begins to just fade away because I just love being in the presence of Jesus. One of my prayers for this year was, Lord, I want to live under an open heaven. I got that prayer from one of my spiritual grandfathers. He said, I live under an open heaven. I said, I want to live under an open heaven. I have no idea what that means, but the Lord said he would do it. (laughs) I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. I just decided this year to pray a little bit different than I prayed last year. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. God, did you hear that? Are you praying for God to make you willing to obey? Do you, I mean, it kind of sounds kind of gangster, right? It's kind of like, okay, God, make me obey you. 
I don't care what it sounds like anymore. God, make me obey you. <laughs> I need to pray that more. God, make me willing to obey you. Now, just a little warning. <laughs> that may not be peaches and cream. It may get a little rough when you start praying that. But just hang on. You'll be willing to obey. Then he says this, then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. In other words, I'm not going to hold on to this experience myself. When the time's right, I'm going to begin to release my failures. This is what it means to be in real relationship in a biblical community. It means that we're real, we're rough, we're raw. This is who I am. This is who I am, but this is not who I'm going to stay being. I'm, I'm born again, filled with the spirit. I'm sanctified. I'm not, I'm not this. I'm, I'm coming out of this. Right? But this is who I am. This is what I did. And then this is what I did after I did that. Don't tell the story before you get the deliverance, though. <laughs> that was worth writing down. Verse 14, forgive me for shedding blood. O oh God who saves, then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Verse 15, unseal my lips, O oh Lord, that my mouth may praise you. I'm, I'm going to give you a quick pastor moment real quick. I was in worship this morning as we were all worshiping together. And I was thinking, Lord, I'm believing you for the day. When our church service, our worship service, is louder than an LSU game. Because we'll jump off the sofa, throw the potato chips all over the floor when somebody scores a touchdown. But we get up in the house of God who gives us life, liberty, and heaven, and we just get like this. My God, are you saved? Is there something inside of you that needs to bust out? God gave you some emotions. Let them out. Lord Jesus, some of you are like stale crackers. You got no taste. You got no structure. You're just like, and I'm glad you're here. I love you. But let him out. <laughs> Maybe you need to get him in first. But listen to what David says. Unseal my lips, O oh Lord, that my mouth may praise you. And I'm not talking about doing it to impress other people. And I don't want you to do it because I said that. I want you to do it because it's outflowing from your heart. It's coming out of the deep, intimate relationship you have with Jesus. When he delivers you from something and he gives you a word or he encourages you, it causes something inside of you to come alive. How much more time I got? It's only 11.20. Shoot, I got 45 minutes. Y'all better watch out. Some of y'all taking me real serious. Y'all like, oh, shoot. One or two of y'all might have grabbed your phone. You're looking at other churches in town going, what time does their services? I'm just playing. <laughs> Verse 16. Two more verses to go, then we're going to get into Acts. <laughs> it 
and see what time it is. Some of y'all, <laughs> never mind, let me stop. <laughs> watch verse 16. Verse 17 is going to be the bomb diggity, but watch verse 17, 16. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. Verse 17, watch this. You got to listen real careful. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. Boom! Just blew up. That was good! Did you hear what it said? Lord, heal their hearts. You sacrifice, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. Listen to these words. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. In other words, the enemy tells you if you tell your stuff to God, he's going to kick you out the kingdom. That's a lie. He will not reject a broken and repentant heart. How do you ever get back to God? Broken and repentant heart. Humble yourself because he resists the proud. The proud don't want to tell God what they did, even though he already knows. The proud make excuses for their sins. The proud justify their sins. The proud act like they have no sin. The humble say, Lord, I'm a broken man. I got baggage. But I know you deal with baggage. You're a baggage specialist. That scaring thing went pretty good. I ain't going to lie to you. Some of y'all were like, wow. I'm going to use that more often. <laughs> I'm just trying to see how many of y'all are going like this because then I'll know if I can use it more often. I wonder what that's going to sound like <laughs> online. <laughs> Might be distorted, Gerald, just a little bit. <laughs> the sacrifice God desires is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. You will not. You see, that verse right there tells me that's how we got all of Psalms 51 is because David believed that God would not reject a broken and repentant heart no matter what he did. You know what that tells me? I can always come home. I can always come home. I can come home anytime I want to. I can stay home. I can move back in with my parent. No, my parent, Jesus. I can move oh. back. Yeah, keep up. Does that help? Okay, Acts chapter 3, and I'm going to move on because we need a little moment at the end. <clears throat> Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 19. This is Peter after he just... He just uh, God used him to heal the, the, the crippled beggar, and he's getting in trouble for it, and all kind of chaos is starting to happen. And then people are asking questions, and 
Peter stands up again and preaches, and, and then he says this in verse 19 and 20 of chapter 3. That's so, so good. He says, now, which means like today, like in the next couple of minutes, now, repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be what? Wiped away. Then, then. So like once you repent and turn to God so that your sins can be wiped away, then, then is really cool because you don't get to then unless you do that. When you do that, you get then and then then is this. Y'all keeping up with that? Times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Times of refreshment. Repent of your sins. Turn back to God. Then times of refreshment will come, which tells me this, that until I do that, then is waiting. Do you know you can have then as fast as you want it? Oh. You can be as fresh as you want to be. Get your mind out of the gutter. You can be refreshed right now, today. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've done. Remember, David was a rapist slash adulterer and a murderer. And he experienced then. That was good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. I'm believing you right now for times of refreshment to happen today. So how does repentance happen? Because we're getting ready to do that. I'm going to open up the altars, and you can stay in your seat if you want to, but the altars will be open. And we're going to take however much time is necessary. So how do you repent? I believe repentance starts with confession. Lord, I've been doing this. And listen to me. You don't have to sugarcoat it for the Lord. He's the one that defines sin. He put a description on it. Use the description. If it's been anger, Lord, I've been angry. If you've been cussing, Lord, I've been cussing. If you wrote somebody off, Lord, I wrote, and say their name, I wrote so-and-so off. Whatever it is, call it what it is. Call it by its name. You confess it. And then repentance happens as you confess it and in God's word starts to wash over you, your mind starts to change. 
your thinking starts to change. A lot of times we think, and I've, I've said this myself a lot of times, that repentance is I'm going this way and then I turn and I go this way. But I can't turn in my own strength. I can change my mind though. When I change my mind, God can change my direction. So I confess. I allow the word of God to change my thinking. Come on. And then my actions change. Does that make sense? And so there's nothing that excites me more than this moment we're going into right now. Because when I look across the crowd, I see a grand opportunity for all of us to be refreshed today. I see a grand opportunity for every single one of us, no matter what we've done, to come right back into the presence of Jesus and to find moments of refreshing and to start 2022 with a fresh start. Amen? Because remember, joy and rejoicing, come on, they come after. Let's dim the lights for a minute. I want to invite you into this moment with me. The Lord's been dealing with me a month now about some things I need to just get open and honest about. There's some conversations I need to have. And he's changing my thinking, my approach, my understanding to certain things. I've already started repenting and turning and allowing his word to change my mind. And so like I said, the altars are open. You can get on your knees or whatever posture you want to be in. Holy Spirit begin to whisper in each one of our ears today. Create in us a clean heart. Show us our transgression. Show us our sin. We're not in denial, Lord. We're not in pride thinking that we don't have any. Would you say that with me this morning? Would you say, show me, Lord? And the Holy Spirit begin to show us. Just begin to show us, Lord. So right now is a moment to listen. When he tells you one thing, don't hurry up and take off with it. Just listen to maybe two.
you get it, just begin to talk to him about it. Use the example we just talked about with David. Lord, this is my sin. I bring it to you. I don't want to live with this anymore. I don't want to bring this with me into this new year. I need you to deliver me. I need your freedom. I need your power. I need your grace. I need your mercy. Because of your unfailing love, oh God, forgive me of my sins. Purify me, Lord. That I would be a vessel of honor, filled with your glory, filled with your spirit, able to run like you want me to run, able to go where you want me to go, nothing holding me back. Create in me pure heart.
thank you that we can run to you. That what we learned today is we don't have to run from you. We can run to you. We don't have to do what Adam and Eve did and go hide and make coverings, but God, we can run to you because you will not reject a broken and repentant heart. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. Normally, and for me, it can be different for every one of us, but for me, normally, when these, I have these moments with Jesus, I'm not kidding you, like my whole heart feels different. My, my pains will go the way, like my aches and pains will actually go away. I'll feel it in my physical body along with my emotions and even in my mind, I'll, I'll feel it and sense it. And then there's this lightness that comes on me. And, and I've come to understand that that's when I bring my burdens to, to Jesus, he he's lifts those burdens off of me. And the, the burdens were creating aches and pains and struggles and all these other things. And when he lifts the burden off of me, something should change. I should be different now. I'll never forget the day I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was, it was a, a wild moment for me. And when I finally came up out of it, I, I was on my knees. I'd been laid out on the floor. I was on my knees and I, I just I sat there on my knees. I don't do well on my knees. There's a lot of pressure. <laughs> 
And I'm sitting there on my knees, and I'm not kidding you, I literally felt like I was in the throne room, like the throne of God was right there, and I was sitting on my knees right here. What am I tr I'm trying to say that something should change inside of us. You should come up different than when you went down. Come on. You know what that's called? Refreshing. That's the refreshing. You've been refreshed. He's taken the burden, the stain, the, the guilt, the shame, and, and he's pulled it off of you and he's created in you a new heart. Now go and be refreshed. It'll make you love different. <laughs> It'll make you talk different. Walk different. Come on, say it's going to show up in the physical body. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's going to deep work inside of you, but it's going to show up in your physical body. Remember when Moses came down off the mountain? He had to cover his face because of the glory of God. When you've been in God's presence, it shows. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. All right, a couple of quick announcements, and I want to let you go. Um, next step will happen the first and second Sunday of each month. You can sign up for Next Step on a Connect card. If you're ready to, to join this body, this body of believers, and you say, I want to belong to OSC, I, I feel like God's leading us here, and you want to do that, Next Step is your next step to take. So you can sign up with that on a Connect card. Grab that Connect card, put your name and your number, and just say, I want to, I want to take my next step and just leave it on your seat and we'll pick it up. January 9th, you can throw that, um, that 21 days of prayer uh, graphic up there if you don't mind. January the 9th, we'll be, we will begin our 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is the time of the year that we pray and fast. <laughs> In case you was wondering, is this just the prayer time? Or is this like the prison? No, this prayer and fasting. Okay, not praying fast. <laughs> I know how some of you are. Y'all look gangster. I mean, pastor said to pray fast. So that begins January the 9th. We'll give you some more details on that. Our daily devos are going to continue. And uh, you can go online to, to our website and find out how to join on, in on that. Uh, Sunday, January the 30th, Life Share will be here for our first blood drive of the new year. Come on, somebody. You got a little extra blood? <laughs> Nobody? You need some new blood. You got to get rid of some of the old blood. That's a message. So get ready for that. That's happening January the 30th. Spring Life Groups will launch February the 6th. I'm excited about those. If you're interested in leading or co-leading a group, please notify the office as soon as possible so we can uh, get, get things ready for that. Tithes and offerings. How many of you ready to give today? Come on. Three ways to give. You can give online, you can text to give, or you can give in person. I would encourage you to give. Generosity is contagious. Sowing seeds reaps harvest. Come on, somebody. You ain't got nothing in the barn? Go sow some seeds. <laughs> and how about our dream team, huh? Come on, they, they plugged away all year. Two services. Think about this. Some people sat with your kids for four hours on a Sunday. They might need a gift card. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Y'all got good kids, right? 
that was a weak response. <laughs> so let me say this before I pray and we get out of here. We're back to one service. I don't know how long we're going to be here. God showed me an image of healthy families. And so my, my goal now is to stay on course with how he leads me. I'm praying the verse in my heart. I plan my course, but the Lord determines my steps. He gave me a vision of healthy families. And this moment of bringing us together again is a moment to get healthy again because God wants to continue to multiply. He also corrected me. We're not here for a city. We're here for a region. So when you're praying, like I know you will be praying, we're, I'm praying that I believe our region right now is St. Landry Parish, Evangeline Parish, and Acadia Parish. And if we trespass on Pastor JJ a little bit, it's going to be okay. I'm bigger than him. Not taller, but bigger. So that's how I'm praying, and I'm believing that we're going to stay here as long as we need to. If we need to bust some walls out and make a little bit more room, that's fine. We'll do whatever we got to do. I just want to see healthy families. I want to see disciples being made. None of this other stuff. I want to see real disciples being made. I want to see people going out into the community, evangelizing. I want to see people sitting together one-on-one, -on -one, challenging one another to, to follow Jesus better. I want to see all of that. I want to see marriages get better. I want to see kids get raised better. I want to see all of that happen. That's what I'm believing God for. And I believe that's the season of joy we're going into. So I don't know how long we're going to be in one service. We won't go back tomorrow, I promise. So thank you for making the adjustment with us. Stay with me. Come on, I'll bless you and let you go. I was actually looking for something more to say because it's not 12 o'clock yet. It's an old habit. Come on, y'all. Give me some grace. How many of you felt better when you came up off your knees or out of your seat? Four of you. Great. Take what I can get, Jesus. Just open your hands towards heaven. Father, we thank you for today. God, thank you for your presence in this place. God, you came and sat as we worshiped you. You came and received the praise that we gave you. You are present in this, in this place today. And God, that's all I want is your presence. So God, help us to be people that live under an open heaven. Help us to be people that walk in your presence all the time. All the time. Lead us, direct us, and guide us today. And may this be the best year yet. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love you, God.